This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Causes for the onset of a migraine can be different for different people. So some causes may include nutrient deficiencies, things like stress or hormones, and increased blood flow to the brain. And one that I find often goes unexplored, unfortunately, is food triggers. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll discuss echinacea and the treatment of COVID-19 and other viruses. We'll learn about the treatment of joint pain. We'll find out about a one-minute cure for migraines. And lastly, we'll explore the current state of Toronto restaurants. But first, a little bit of business. Echinoforce by A. Vogel is clinically proven to prevent and treat multiple virus strains. Made with fresh, organic, GMO-free plants, it's 10 times more effective than dried echinacea products. Safe and effective for the whole family, including pregnant and nursing women. Order Echinoforce online at avogel.ca and get 20% off with promo code TONIC20. Echinoforce is also available where natural health products are sold. Sherry Torcos is a pharmacist, author, and health enthusiast with a passion for prevention. She graduated with honors from the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy and Science in 1992. Since that time, she's been practicing holistic pharmacy in the Niagara region of Ontario. Her philosophy of practice is to integrate conventional and complementary therapies to optimize health and prevent disease. Sherry's won several national pharmacy awards for providing excellence in patient care. As a leading health expert, she's delivered hundreds of lectures to medical professionals and to the public. She's frequently interviewed by radio and TV talk shows through her throughout North America and abroad on health matters. She's authored 18 books and booklets, including Canadian Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine, Saving Women's Hearts, and the Glycemic Index Made Simple. For more information, you can visit SherryTorcos.com. Welcome to the show, Sherry. How are you? Hi there. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, thank you. We often hear that seniors, along with those with serious medical conditions, are at greater risk for severe infection, hospitalization, and worse outcomes with COVID. Why is that? Well, you know, the reality is that our immune system is is our internal defense mechanism. And unfortunately, as we get older, there are changes we all notice. I mean, I'm in my 50s, and I don't feel like I did in my 20s and 30s. As, with each decade in life, there are changes that occur in our body. And as we get older, our ability to fight off viruses and bacterial infections and other potential invaders it diminishes, and, and that's why older people are more at risk uh, for infections. That's why we prioritized seniors when it came to vaccinations and boosters. And part of it is age. As we get older, the immune system isn't working as optimally. But then there's also the fact that as we get older, we may also have other underlying health conditions, such as heart disease or lung disease, diabetes, cancer. And that can also make you not only more prone to infection, but can it impact your ability to recover if you do get sick. So I know you published the encyclopedia. What advice do you have when it comes to natural remedies for immune health specifically? Well, my first piece of advice is that 
we can't rely on any one thing to support good health or even our immune system. So there are supplements I recommend, but I always say to people, you have to be you know, mindful of what you're eating, eating a healthy diet, getting enough sleep at night, exercising, managing stress. Those are kind of the tenets for good health. There are supplements that can help to support your immune system as well. And, you know, as a pharmacist, you know, I do think it's so important that we be careful when we are choosing a supplement, a natural product. You want to make sure that it is been researched, that it's safe for you to take, it won't interact with your medications, and also be aware that not everything that's available on the market or sold online um, has research backing it. Right. Okay, so I think, you know, one product or, or one herbal remedy that a lot of people have heard of is echinacea, but they may not know how it works and, and, and whether or not it is an effective immunity booster. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so echinacea does have a really long history of use for immune system health, and there are different types of echinacea. Um, echinacea purpurea is the most widely researched form, and it's something that does have Health Canada-approved claims for helping to uh, shorten the duration of viral infection. It can be taken preventatively or acutely if you do get sick, and it's been studied for a wide range of viruses, rhinovirus, adenovirus, all types of um, viruses that cause colds and flus, but I think what every what he is wondering about, has it been studied for coronavirus? And in fact, there is new research that has been published on a specific type of echinacea called Echinoforce. It's a Swiss product uh, showing that it is in fact effective for prevention with coronavirus and also to help speed healing. Okay, so let's delve into that study a bit. So you said that the study was recent. Who actually conducted the study and, and where was it done? Yeah, so the study was done in Europe, in, in Bulgaria specifically, and uh, it is, has been published as part of a review of the current clinical evidence on um, echinoforce in particular, because this really, it adds to the current body of evidence. There were previous studies that looked at the forms of coronavirus that were circulating before COVID-19, and this newest study looks specifically at the SARS-CoV-2 infection, which we all call COVID-19. So in this study, it was um, 120 patients, and they were given either 2,400 milligrams of echinoforce or control, which is nothing. That was the control group. And they followed them over three cycles of time, and each cycle lasted um, two months, two months, and then there was a break, and then another two months, and then the final cycle was one month. And then this is really the largest study to date that's been done on echinacea, and then if a patient in the study happened to get sick uh, with respiratory symptoms, they were given a higher dosage of echinoforce acutely, so a higher acute short-term dose for 10 days. And then what the researchers did is to detect what kind of infection they developed. They did um, the nasopharyngeal swabs, that's, you know, the swab, the yeah. back of the throat or up the nose. Yeah. And then they look at the viruses. Uh, no, nobody likes having the swab done, but really that's how we can look at and evaluate what, the vi what type of virus it is. And, you know, what they found in this study is that the echinoforce, it inhibited various strains of infection, including influenza, but also coronavirus. Mm. And those that were given uh, the echinoforce, there was a 63% reduced risk for developing SARS-CoV-2, so COVID-19 infection. Now, if people did get sick with COVID, uh, their infection was much shorter, almost five days 
quicker. They recovered five days quicker um, if they had COVID-19 and were taking the echinophores compared to the control group. So that's pretty significant. Now, there were other respiratory infections that were detected during the study, and they recovered eight days faster from just general upper respiratory tract infections. Um, and this is another really key finding, is that there was a 99% reduction in viral loads. So we're talking about the amount of virus that's in the nasal cavity. So 99% reduction in viral loads and also reduced symptoms. So if people did get sick, they had a significantly reduced um, amount of symptoms and symptom severity. Wow. I know, it sounds amazing. and It does. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I want to frame this properly. I'm, I'm not saying this is a cure-all. This is the answer to COVID-19. Vaccination is still important. Hand-washing, all of the measures, the public health measures we're doing. But, you know, the reality is that even if you do get vaccinated, people are getting sick. Yeah. I mean, I hear all the time from patients that have been double-vaxxed and boosted and they're still getting COVID-19. But if you add this um, onto your immune support regimen, this could be a game changer because it can reduce uh, the amount of viral load that you have. It can reduce transmission because we do know that if you get vaccinated over time, the benefits do wane over time. And I think the other thing that is I'm mindful of is We'd all like this pandemic to pass and be done with, but there are all these new variants keep emerging, and the vaccine has shown varying levels of efficacy against, say, Delta and Omicron, whereas something like this echinacea, the echinophores, as an antiviral, it has a broad-spectrum mechanism of action, so it's not specific to one type of variant or one type of virus. It works against a multitude of viruses. Wow. Okay. So that is fantastic news. And we're, we're talking about a clinical study. I want to sort of shift gears, though, and I want to bring us into the real world. So we have all these studies and, you know, that's good. But let's talk about how people can actually take echinacea. Should this be sort of a, a preventative measure or do you take it if you feel that you have the symptoms of the virus? How should people take it? Well, it really is best to take it daily for prevention, and uh, this is something that in our household, I give it to my son every, you know, as we get into cold and flu season, October, November, we start on t taking the echinophores. They do have a uh, strength for children, a junior strength. Ideally, yes, prevention, but if you haven't been taking it and you feel like you're coming down with something and for a lot of people the first sign that they're getting an infection they just don't feel well maybe low energy headaches or throat a little bit of congestion you can start taking it at the onset of symptoms and it will help speed healing so the study i mentioned focused on uh covid that was their like main outcome they're looking at but right. there was also a reduction in in symptoms in other studies so some of the previous research on a can also found that it not only helped with prevention of colds and flu, but if people did get sick, they had fewer symptom days, they recovered faster, and also had a reduced risk of what we call secondary infections. So that happens when, say, you get a, a cold and your immune system is under an assault and people start to feel that they've got it in their chest or they're getting a sinus infection. Those secondary infections, sinusitis, bronchitis, pneumonia, they can often be significant and sometimes people will need to take antibiotics for those things. And what they found in some of the previous echinophore studies is that 
taking the echinophores preventatively also reduce the risk of people developing these secondary infections. So if somebody was already taking echinophores and then they started feeling symptoms, would you increase the dosage or would you just keep taking it? No, I would increase the dosage. And in fact, in this most recent study, that's what they did. People that got sick, they upped the dosage. So those that were taking it preventatively, they took 2,400 milligrams daily. And those that got sick, they increased their intake to 4,000 milligrams daily. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, and, and also vitamin C, too, is important to sure. take. If you're, um, you know, Looking for things that can also support your immune system, vitamin C, vitamin D, they, they are also important considerations. So if you were choosing an Echinacea product, what would you recommend? What are some of the, the things to think about when you're choosing the product? Well, one thing that you know is really important is to look at the clinical research, and, and that's why I recommend and I also take myself the Echinoforce by A. Vogel because it is backed by, I think it's like 35 clinical studies. That's a lot of research on a natural health product and it's been around for a long time. It's made in Europe. It's organically grown and it's, it's also made from fresh herb rather than dried herb. And we know that um, from various scientific studies that fresh herb is actually much more active and much more effective. So to me, this is what I take myself for prevention. It's what I recommend for my family and, and also patients. Um, the, the other thing I, I would mention, too, is that uh, for women that are pregnant or breastfeeding, this is the only echinacea product that I'm aware of that actually is licensed by Health Canada for use during pregnancy and also breastfeeding. Are there any other contraindications or side effects that you might want to turn your mind to if you're thinking of taking echinacea? Yeah, if, if you have um, an immune system disorder, an autoimmune disorder, or if you're taking immunosuppressants, then I would recommend you first check with your doctor, your healthcare provider, uh, before you start taking Echinoforce or any type of echinacea, or, or even for that matter, any product that has effects on the immune system. And you know, people all, often ask me, you know, is echinacea an immune system booster? And you know, that's kind of a key phrase that we hear out there. And, and it does have properties where you know it does enhance or say boost the activity of certain aspects of your immune system so if you have an autoimmune disorder you do have to be careful things like lupus or ms um, but i would definitely um, keep that in mind and in terms of side effects it's very well tolerated there's really been nothing um, that has come out in the clinical studies so it's very well tolerated and what sort of formats are available to take uh, echinoforce so the tablets are meant to be sucked on rather than swallowed, and the reason for that is we want it to have its action in the throat. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. There is a tincture, a liquid. Uh, tinctures, you know, have a strong taste. <laughs> Yep, not for not everybody. everybody likes yep. the taste of a tincture. Yep. Um, and for kids, there's a chewable tablets. And that's what I started giving to my son when he was around two is the chewable tablets. And if you do get sick and you're looking for a nice hot drink that tastes good and is soothing, uh, they have a hot drink format. So it's a, a syrup. It comes, it's in a liquid format. And you mix that with hot water. And it's a combination of the echinoforce, echinacea, and elderberry. And it tastes great. It's soothing. And... 
that particular combination, the Kinaforce hot drink, has also been clinically studied uh, where they found that it was actually comparable to the antiviral drug Tamiflu um, for helping with influenza, not only prevention but also treatment. Very, very quickly, if people want more information, where should they go? Yes, you can check my website out, sherrytorkus.com, and you can also check out for information on the Echinophorus echinacea, avogel.ca, and that's A-V-O-G-E-L.ca. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Sherry Torkos. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the treatment of joint pain on the tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Ease joint and muscle pain naturally. Nutrivite Joint Cream with seven powerful natural ingredients and a rapid relief triple action formula. Glucosamine and MSM for tissue repair. Menthol and camphor oil for rapid pain relief. Turmeric, frankincense and devil's claw to reduce inflammation with three penetrating emollients. Evening primrose oil, olive oil, peppermint oil, penetrates deep into affected tissue, stimulates circulation, and provides targeted, long-lasting relief. Nutrivite Joint Cream, effective relief of pain, stiffness, and immobility. Please visit jointcream.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Fareed Ibrahim is the president of Nutrition Plus Products, a Canadian company that produces a wide variety of natural health products for both the Canadian market and export. Fareed has been a leader in the natural products industry since he joined forces with his late father Sam in 1995. Sam Ibrahim was a highly regarded German-trained pharmacist and herbalist who pioneered the mainstreaming of products such as glucosamine in Canada through the Nutrivite brand. Welcome to the show, Fareed. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So we're talking about joint treatment today. What are some of the underlying factors that contribute to joint pain? And what are some of the natural remedies that might help? Sure. Well, I mean, joint pain can be caused by a whole host of underlying factors. Some of them are obvious and some of them less so obvious. So, for example, this is something that many people might know. There was actually a study published in 2006 in the, uh, I believe, the Journal of Arthritis, which showed a direct link between poor blood circulation and uh, development of osteoarthritis. But more commonly, obviously, it's uh, degradation of cartilage 
and injuries and that type of thing. So, it's, I mean, it's it's not a one answer fits all. There's a whole host of reasons that can cause people to have uh, these types of problems. Sure. And given those problems, what are some of the natural products that people might be able to use or, or natural ingredients that they might be able to use to help? Yeah, well, well, the one that everybody knows about is glucosamine. And it's been around for a long time, easily almost 30 years now. Mm-hmm. And it was studied, and I think a study came out in the 90s, was published in The Lancet that definitely showed it helping to relieve symptoms of uh, osteoarthritis. So glucosamine is sort of in a supplement form is one of the most popular that's out there. MSM is another one, and MSM is a sulfur compound, and our body, our tissues use sulfur to actually rebuild cartilage and and that type of thing. And so it also uh, happens to be an excellent transdermal, so it can be actually taken orally, but also it can be applied directly on the skin as well. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, there's other things out there that, you know, there's a whole host of different uh, natural remedies. There's white willow bark. I think people have heard of that, which is actually where aspirin comes from. It comes from the willow tree. Mm-hmm. And so aspirin is actually a natural product. Of course, it's been refined and it's an anti-inflammatory and it's, uh, it's an analgesic. Right. People don't like to think of that as a natural product, but it is. It's one of the earlier ones that was used in pharmacy. But, you know, there's so many others, and there are many medicinal plants out there that have anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, example, frankincense, devil's claw, turmeric is another one that people are talking about a lot. So, yeah, there's really quite a variety of options, and they do different things. So the ones that I just mentioned are for reducing inflammation. There's other in- plant constituents such as menthol and uh, camphor oil, which basically act as a cooling agent. They offer direct pain relief. Mm-hmm. So with glucosamine, I, like I'm familiar with the nutraceuticals where you take them orally, but you can also take them topically. What are the pros and cons in that regard? Yeah, so glucosamine is, like I said, it's it's been around a long time. It's for the most part taken orally. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple drawbacks to that, and mainly because you have to take quite a bit of glucosamine for it to actually go to where it's needed. So a lot of it is absorbed by the liver and other tissue, and it's needed by the cartilage in in joints. That's where it acts. So it has a bit of a disadvantage to taking it orally. You can take it topically as well, but there's also a bit of a disadvantage there in the sense that glucosamine is a fairly large molecule, so it's very difficult to get it to penetrate through the skin. So you know, you have to have the technology to help it do that. So how do you help the glucosamine get through the skin if it's a larger molecule? Well, the technology that works is uh, combining it with penetrating emollients, things like peppermint oil, evening primrose oil, that type of thing. Also, when glucosamine is combined with MSM, the MSM actually helps transport the glucosamine molecule to where it needs to go because MSM is an excellent transdermal molecule. Okay. So you mentioned menthol and, and camphor a few moments ago. Yeah. So how do they work in helping with the joint pain? Like I know, I know when you have menthol or camphor, it, it sort of feels good, but is there something else that they're doing other than making you feel good? Well, they do have the direct cooling effect, yeah. and they also stimulate circulation, which is another aspect of what they do. So by stimulating circulation, you're transporting more blood to where the injury is, which in itself, of course, more blood supply helps you to heal. 
so really those are the two primary actions, you know, stimulating circulation, and then, of course, they have direct analgesic properties as well. Okay. You use the phrase emollient. So can you explain for those who don't know what an emollient is and, and how they would be used in a topical application? Right. Well, an emollient is basically oils, basically, that you're dissolving the active ingredients into the oil, right? And by doing that, you're basically making it more um, transportable. Okay. So what you're saying, it's, it's like a carrier, right? It's it, a carrier, exactly. And, you know, all topical products would have some form of an emollient. And, you know, there's different ones that out there. There's, like I said, there's evening primrose oil, peppermint oil, olive oil, grapeseed oil, a whole bunch of them. And, you know, it's actually beneficial to combine more than one. Why is that? Why would you want more than one? Well, because they all have slightly different properties. Okay. And, you know, there's different skin types out there as well. So people may react differently to different types of emollients. So by having more than one in a product, then you're, you know, basically covering all your bases. That makes sense. So let's circle back to sort of the causes of joint pain. And, you know, one of the things that I I think the researchers are finding is there's a, a big connection between inflammation and joint pain. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, so inflammation, there's two types of inflammation. There's acute inflammation and there's chronic inflammation. Right. And acute inflammation is a good thing. It's basically your body reacting to some sort of stress. It's an immune response. Chronic inflammation is not a good thing. So it becomes uh, basically an over-response of the immune system and causes damage instead of healing. So, you know, joint pain can be caused by so many different things. You know, example, um, a year ago, actually, I had a, a pretty nasty accident. I actually had a full quad rupture. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was taking my son tobogganing you know, on Christmas Day, out of all things. Oh, gosh. And uh, I slipped backwards, and as I was trying to right myself, I used so much force... The torque, that, yeah. ...that the torque basically tore the muscles clean off my kneecap. Holy cow, yeah. Yeah, I had to go have surgery, et cetera, et cetera. And fortunately, I've had a full recovery, but that type of an injury, you know, basically, I mean, you know, it could come back to haunt me in, you know, 15, 20 years. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something that dramatic. It can be just, you know, repetitive, sure. repetitive uh, use injuries. You know, of course, there's just like infinite number of causes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, of course, are genetically predisposed. I had a, a friend uh, in university who had very, very serious arthritis, and uh, it was just basically a genetic cause. And there's no basically one treatment fits all approach either. You know, a lot of people do like topicals because, you know, especially if, if it's a, a chronic condition, you don't necessarily want to be just ingesting substances all the time. Of course. And when you're taking pain relief topically, does it go to the pain more directly? Is it a, is it a faster route? To, like, is it quicker pain well, relief? Yeah, or? I, absolutely. You know, what I would say is it's, uh, it's a more instantaneous relief. But, you know, it, it's also temporary, right? So you do have to, you know, typically apply more than once per day. Depending on the formulation, you know, like, like uh, with topical glucosamine and MSM, you're getting to the root issue, which is tissue damage. Right. Right. So by taking these normally uh, ingestible products, by putting them on topically, you are getting, 
more direct to the area that's affected without having to go through the stomach and, you know, as I mentioned, having everything be absorbed by the liver. So basically, we have, you know, the glucosamine and MSM is, is good for rebuilding cartilage. You did mention the inflammation aspect as well. And, you know, inflammation is a result of some sort of damage. So if the damage is permanent, you know, in other words, uh, an injury or, or tissue degradation and so on, the inflammation is permanent also and needs to be treated as part of the problem. That makes total sense. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. That was Fareed Ibrahim. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to cure a migraine in one minute on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Buston of The Tonic. If you enjoy The Tonic talk show and podcast, you'll love The Tonic newsletter. With links to the podcast and articles from the magazine, the newsletter will also let you know about upcoming health and wellness events, curated articles from across the internet that expand on the health and wellness topics important to you. There's contests and prizes and so much more. Best of all, it comes directly to you. To subscribe, be sure to visit thetonic.ca. The Tonic newsletter, you know, for what ails you. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's Unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Nadia Rizzo graduated from the University of Windsor in 2011, where she completed a thesis in uh, psychology that revolved around the connections between lifestyle factors, stress, and health. She then went on to attend the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, where she completed her board certificate mid-pregnancy in 2016. In 2019, she published a book entitled Eat Your Way to Sexy. She's a thriving naturopathic doctor who focuses on understanding her clients as a whole being. Welcome back to the show, doctor. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so today is an interesting topic. We've never really talked about uh, migraine headaches, but I myself experience pre-migraine sensations and the very rare and occasional migraine headaches. So maybe you could explain what are the causes for the onset of a migraine? That's a great question, Jamie. So causes for the onset of a migraine can be different for different people. So some causes may include nutrient deficiencies, specifically a magnesium deficiency. And this has to do with the dilation or the opening and closing of vessels uh, in the brain, in the head. And this has to do with blood flow because migraines can actually be associated with increased blood flow to the brain. That's one thing that it can be associated with. Mm -hmm. Some other causes can include things like stress or hormones. So for females, a female might notice with her menses cycle, specifically with menstruation, that there may be a correlation there. If she tends to get migraines, she might see that that link between her cycle and when her migraines occur. Mm -hmm. 
Other causes can include, like I already mentioned, increased blood flow to the head, which, like I said, can be an issue with vasodilation and constriction of the arteries that have to do with increased blood flow to the brain. And one that I find often goes unexplored, unfortunately, is food triggers. So some common ones can be caffeine or high-salted foods, which tends to be like snacky foods, like your nuts, your chips, your pretzels, things like that. But other food triggers can include wheat, eggs. For me, it was actually dairy. And this is something that I find people don't always explore or think of right away when it comes to migraines. But it's actually, I find clinically speaking, can be pretty common, and it was what was doing it for me. It was dairy for me in my migraines. So when you're talking about food triggers, mm-hmm. how soon after the food ingestion does it potentially trigger migraines? Like is it right after, or could it happen hours after? That can vary. It tends to be within the 24 hours. For me specifically, it was within half an hour. Like within the half an hour, it it wouldn't be full on, but I would start to feel it coming. And usually you might have experienced this yourself, Jamie, because you mentioned you tend to experience migraines as well. Usually people with migraines will say, like, I can feel it coming. It's starting. It tends not to go straight to 100, but you can feel it starting. Oh, yeah, no. There's certain uh, symptoms that I get, which I guess brings me to my next question is, how do you, how do you know that you have a migraine as opposed to a traditional headache? I, I have some ideas, but let's, let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, such a great question. So there are some things that, generally speaking, can set apart a migraine from a regular headache. So a migraine tends to be more throbbing. It tends to be unilateral or one-sided. Often, it's associated with nausea or vomiting. You may experience an aura. It's referred to as an aura, but really vision changes. You might see blurriness. But this is super important, Jamie, because if someone is experiencing vision changes, you want to make sure you get that checked out by your doctor because you want to make sure it actually isn't occurring because of something more serious like a transient ischemic attack. And a transient ischemic attack can cause vision changes or a loss of vision, and that's actually a blockage of blood flow to the brain. So I always like to be very cautious, and I always tell people, if you're experiencing the symptoms, specifically the vision changes especially, or the intense pain, make sure you're double-checking with your doctor to make sure it's not anything more serious. Yeah, so it's the last one that I experience. So what happens for me is all of a sudden I become very light sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm unable to focus. So I can't see far away. I can't see close. And then when you talk about the aura, I get either a halo or I see stars. Like literally I see stars. And if that starts, I know I may be too late to treat the uh, migraine. But if I can get out in front of it, it is possible to mitigate some of the, some of the pain. But so, so let's talk about that. What, what are some of the things that you're familiar with that help us deal with, with the actual migraine? Yeah, I find it very interesting, Jamie, that you mentioned, because this is something a lot of people say. If I don't catch it early enough, they feel like they're doomed. Yep. And so um, treatments for migraine, and, and I, I'm here, spoiler alert, that might actually not be the case. It may okay. just be that people are unaware of, of other supports for this. So treatments for migraine can include drugs like for pain and even per, for prevention. So this is common mainstream. Naturopathically, 
tend to do a lot of CoQ10, and this is not for the intensity, it's for the frequency of migraines. So talk to your naturopathic doctor, talk to your doctor um, about dosing and if CoQ10 is the right fit for you. But I tend to use this a lot in practice for my patients with migraines for frequency of migraines, and it can take a few months before you notice that frequency changing, but we track it, and I've had um, some good results with this. But again, always talk to your doctor. Another treatment can be magnesium. Some evidence suggests that people who tend to experience migraines actually have lower levels of magnesium. So not always, but it can be a piece of the puzzle. And this might have to do with, like we talked about before, that dilation and constriction of the vessels in the in the brain that have to do with the blood flow to the brain. So magnesium is a piece of the puzzle. And one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite things to do for migraines is acupuncture. But the important thing that I found with acupuncture is we want to actually catch it when the person's experiencing the migraine. Okay, so let's talk a bit more about acupuncture. What do you mean by that? When you say catch it, like what what is it that you're going to do from an acupuncture treatment perspective? Yeah, so it's like the worst time for someone... The the patient feels like it's the worst time to come in because they're actually experiencing the migraine and all they want to do is get out of the light, get out of the sound and like, you know, ride the wave and get this over with. But that's actually the best time to come in for an acupuncture treatment when the person is actually experiencing the migraine. Um, I've done this with several of my patients and, you know, they're coming in. We have to turn off the lights. I have to help them to the room. It's like... They, don't, they can't stand the sounds. They can't stand the, the light. We get them on the table. We do the treatment. And in Chinese medicine, acupuncture for headaches or migraine is actually used to help ground the chi. It's, help, it's helping to bring that energy down out of the head and rebalance the flow of the chi. So grounding points may be used, but there's going to be other points incorporated based on the symptoms that the person's experiencing. So if someone's experiencing the intense pain, you know, a master pain point might be used. If someone's experiencing the nausea, other points might be used. So it depends specifically what that person is experiencing. But overall, that idea of grounding that chi is very key for migraines in Chinese medicine. Okay, so this doesn't really work for me for migraines. But if I have sort of a pressure headache coming, I will sometimes uh, utilize a little trick that somebody taught me on, on pressure points. So between your thumb and your forefinger, there's sort of like a like a flesh fold. And what I do is I massage that point and there, it, it almost hurts to sort of press down in that flesh between the forefinger and the thumb. And it's sort of, if, I, if it's the left side of my head that hurts, I'll do my right hand and vice versa. If it's the right side of my head, I will massage the left for about five minutes. And that seems to work with not migraine headaches, but other headaches. Is that sort of the same theory? So that's a little bit different because that's actually a large intestine number four. That's your, one of your master pain points. And I do want to mention, Jamie, for all the listeners out there, that point is actually contraindicated in pregnancy. So if a woman is pregnant, we would never want to... Uh, stimulate that point. But if you're not pregnant, (laughs) it's a great point for pain. It works for me because I've never been pregnant. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we have time for one more question. And and can you sort of explain for us who aren't necessarily familiar with acupuncture, how does it work and what is it about? And like, it isn't just the needles, right? 
Right. So first of all, a lot of times people will ask, is it going to hurt? So it might, you're going to feel a little something because we're putting a needle in there, but the needles are very thin. Um, Some practitioners use coated needles, so that might help as well. The idea of acupuncture is those points are correlated with different meridians. So it's almost like the body is a map. And we're activating different points on those streets or those meridians that are associated with uh, different energy in the body. So usually for acupuncture, your practitioner has to take a case and give you an Eastern medicine diagnosis. And then we kind of correlate it with the Chinese medicine theory. But other practitioners also use acupuncture for like muscle relaxation. And they'll just use it in more of like a Western way by like putting a needle into muscles to try and relax them and that kind of a thing. So it's really important to talk to your practitioner and see, are they like trained in Eastern medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, or are they using it in a Western way to really have an understanding if that's the best fit for you and and how they're approaching it. So what do you do? Are you trained in? uh, I do both. We are. Naturopathic doctors in Ontario are trained in Eastern medicine. And when we are learning acupuncture, we take Asian medicine theory. So we're, we're trained in that as well. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Nadia Rizzo, ND. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the current state of restaurants in Toronto on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Tonic Magazine. The Tonic is published six times a year and is delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. It's also available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. And if you miss it, you can also read The Tonic online at thetonic.ca. Hey, if you like The Tonic Talk Show, I know you'll love The Tonic magazine. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Success enabler, idea broker, and award-winning marketer at the PR department, Brigitte Foisy has been the strategist behind some of Canada and the world's biggest brands for over 30 years. Also vice president at Chefs Canada, the organization that manages our national culinary teams. What she enjoys most is connecting people and being the bridge to successful, mutually beneficial partnerships. Welcome back to the show, Brigitte. How are you? I'm good, and I'm so excited to be talking about one of the subjects I'm so passionate about. And I know you're too, so that's yeah, great. <laughs> I know. I'm looking, I was looking forward to this interview. We're going to talk a little bit of food, and in particular, restaurant foods, right? Yes. The hospitality industry has been hit very, very hard during the pandemic. Yeah. Months ago, Restaurant Canada said that 10,000 restaurants had closed across the country since the beginning of the pandemic, and almost 50% expect to permanently close their establishment if conditions don't improve. So that's pretty dramatic situation. In fact, 
No other industry has been hit as hard as the restaurant industry. It is estimated that 800,000 jobs have been lost and all hours reduced to zero. And in a recent survey, restaurants have said that they've suffered at least a 50% decline in revenues. And that's despite the great support that they've got from customers and reinventing kind of the restaurant experience now that it's mostly in takeout kind of mode. Yeah, I know I have friends in the industry, uh, restaurateurs who've had to pivot and completely change the way they've conceived, you know, whether they're high end or low end in order to execute for takeout, for example, or, you know, different strategies on how to keep their staff because there's so many of the staff that, you know, couldn't wait around for the restaurants to reopen. They have to earn a living and have left the industry. Uh, That's definitely one of the biggest issues, like resource and staffing, for sure. And really just, you know, dealing with landlords, for example, typically the biggest creditor of a restaurant, if not the suppliers, having a good relationship with your landlord when you don't have the revenues necessarily to pay your rent, you have to have somebody who can afford to carry you or at least be sympathetic or at least be fair in terms of how you're going to deal commercially on a landlord and tenant basis. So Mm -hmm. lots of difficulties for the restaurant industry. Uh, Which means that supporting your favorite restaurants by ordering right now can make a difference for especially the smaller mom and pop restaurants. It's down to order now or they might not exist post lockdown. So it's that dramatic. And, you know, some of them are making tremendous efforts to create unique experience for their patrons. So we should probably celebrate that. And explain a bit about that. And I know you know a lot of people in the industry. So what are some of the things that the restaurateurs are doing that really stands out for you? After talking to a slew of chefs in the last few days on your behalf, (laughs) um, there are those that have decided to close, like you said, like permanently, because it was just not worth their time to open. It's the case most of the IN establishment whose food doesn't really travel as well as others or they really depend on the in-restaurant dining experience. And since that's not possible, like a lot of them thought that it didn't make sense to open. That's the case of like the canoe and the Tutti Matti, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you say, takeout is really where the name of the game right now. It's what is the survival of most restaurants. And those some like Mamakas or Pie or Scaramouche offer pretty much their regular menu online like for takeout or their most popular dishes. Some of them have really kind of went beyond and created great at-home experience. On the IN side, I'd like to note too, I love Alo at Home, uh, yep. Chef Patrick Chris that you probably know. Yep. He's offering a service called Alo at Home and is this week the team is uh, truffle and it's composed of truffle foie gras parfait, Sea scallop in truffle shiokuji dressing, cavatelli, veal tenderloin in truffle jus, and chocolate cake for 110 per person, which is way cheaper than an in-restaurant experience at ALO. So great opportunity to even try Chef Chris's menu. Yeah, a friend of mine actually got one of his, he had like a whole dinner, a whole box for a dinner party and it looked phenomenal and it was personalized. And you mentioned Mamakas or Mamakas on Ossington. uh, Ossington. I think they are executing takeout considering that their food is made a la minute and is, you know, very simple ingredients, very, Mm -hmm. very fresh cooking. I've picked up from them a bunch of times and I have to drive it like 
30 minutes to get back to my house. And it is absolutely excellent. Every single time we've gotten from Mamakas, it has been top rate. I love Mamakas. If you haven't tried their Greek food is not the traditional no. uh, Greek food. It's it, it's awesome. The lamb chops are like out of this world, but boy, oh boy, you're paying through the nose for them. But they're fantastic. I love their octopus personally, or yeah. their old fish are awesome. Yeah. Yep. Maison Boulou's doing great luxury takeaway items. So if you're in the mood for a little caviar or a cheese or charcuterie board, mm-hmm. uh, they offer that on their takeout menu, as well as Chef Feature, which are three-course menus for about 85 ish dollars per person, which is also great value for an high-end restaurant like uh, Bully for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. On the most more affordable side of things, let's go that way because sure. I think that's where people are getting really creative. Because for them, it's really like we got to get, you know, we got to get food out. So yep. I think a lot of them are getting really creative. So I don't know if you know Ration Food Lab, Wesley and the boys there on Queen Street have relaunched Ration Burger, and they've created also a breakfast program, which I thought was super fun, and are doing fine dining, takeout, tasting menus, as well as barbecues and outdoor dining at Stack Market. I don't know if you've been at Stack, but definitely a fun, if it's not minus 30, it's definitely definitely a fun experience that you go and pick up food at one of their pop-ups, and then you go outside, and there's like chairs and tables that you can eat outside or take home, obviously. Mm -hmm. Talking about Stack, can't talk about Stack without talking about Chef Trevor Louie from Joybird. He's doing a really, uh, a couple of really cool initiatives, and I have a scoop for you. So he's doing cooking boxes that are associated with an online cooking class. So you can order and then you get your box and you can do that with a bunch of friends and have a cooking class together. So I thought that was fun. Ooh, that is fun. And, uh, yeah. And he's launching next week. And this is the scoop. You're, you're the first to know. He texted me this morning. Uh, he's launching next week House of Wu, which will be a Chinese Filipino fast food concept. And that will launch first on Uber Eats next week and shortly after for online takeout. So I can't wait um, to see what he's going to do. But I've heard that some chop sueys and and kind of like, you know, like the comfort, like chicken yeah. kind of. Like, like chicken and rice? That, chi- yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he's coming up with. And well, that's a ghost kitchen out of Joybird uh, Kitchen. Well, thank so, you for the scoop. That's fantastic. There you go. And if you're in the mood for French food, I don't know if you ever tried Betty Foll on the east side of Toronto. No. Great. Great chef, uh, authentic French cuisine like bistro. Uh, they're doing ready-to-eat meals in jars or in vacuum-sealed bags alongside their famous French bistro dishes. So that's also one thing to check out. Mm-hmm. I was really excited to see Bar Isabel reopen. Bar yeah. Isabel is one of my favorite tapas kind of place. And, it is, and it, it like, is my favorite restaurant in the city. <laughs> So they're reopened, and they're doing takeout tapas boxes. And yes, one of their boxes contains the famous grill octopus. So yep. I'm, I was really happy about that. Their ceviche is out of this world too, and transports way better than you think it would. Definitely, I love that. And then, do you know Chef Craig Wong at Patois? I do. Patois is another one of my favorites. A combo of Chinese food and Jamaican food. So like jerk yeah. chicken, fried rice. It's fantastic. Yep. 
Yes, and you just open Mignonette on top of Patois, which is a French bistro place. But he's doing at Patois boxes featuring his famous dishes. Yep. And if you never add his jerk lobster, you're missing joy in your life, just saying. Oh, and you know, his uh, when things were open, you could go inside. Absolutely the loudest restaurant in Toronto. What, what, <laughs> you come out with a hoarse throat because you're shouting, but the food is so much fun there. Like the and most cocktails. Yeah, the most fun food in the city, for sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So people got to check this out. And, and you can have crazy, crazy, like, takeout dishes, which is kind of like one or two portion of, of yeah. everything on the menu for like 100 bucks. It's yeah. ridiculous. It is. I love that many restaurants have also made mini markets in their front foyer. And this is a great opportunity for foodies to buy the same products that the chef at your favorite restaurant uses for his or her kitchen. So I know that Spiducci has always had like this fabulous little market in the front where they sell their salami and and food, but also restaurants like Cibo has done that now, both on King and in Yorkville and many others around the city. Great way to support them. Some have added wines as well, and and some have like really ones that you can't find at LCBO. So it's really worth visiting, especially if you love to cook. So those were my highlights. Where have you eaten at a site well, lately? Well, I wanted to circle back to Spiducci for a second because they carry a Tuscan Pecorino that I cannot find anywhere else. My very first Ooh. job was was as a cheese shop. This is the bomb. And if you're making cacio e pepe, this is a truly unique cheese to use it with. Spiducci's got all kinds of stuff that you really cannot find elsewhere, uh, yeah. including like a pistachio spread, which is seasonal, that they scoop for me in the back so I could... I could use it. <laughs> There's one go-to that we've been, like, it's very low-key, and it's close to us, so that part of the execution is the fact that it's close by. But, you know, pizza is very transportable, but I like mm-hmm. high-end pizza. Maker Pizza has this pizza which, you know, doesn't sound like it would be good. It's like almost like onion soup on a pizza. It comes with goat cheese, which isn't my, really my go-to at all, but caramelized onions with a sesame crust with honey on it. I have to say... It is absolutely phenomenal. I'll have to try that during carb day. (laughs) (laughs) Will you come back again and talk restaurants with us again, Brigitte? Anytime. This is like really my passion. And honestly, like supporting the chefs to me is really dear to my heart. So I think we love most love that we love the same establishment. So that's great. We'll discover new places together. Will do. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That was Brigitte Foisy. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Sherry Torcos, Farid Ibrahim, Dr. Nadia Rizzo, ND, and Bridget Foisy. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The January-February issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website at thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Bussin wishing you a healthy and happy week.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.